On this episode of This is Game Boy Light, we go, we turn, we shoot! To another episode of This Is Game Boy Late, episode 42. Uh, Alright, <laughs> 42 light episodes in. Uh, I'm Ebud Candy, or Tony, or whatever you want to call me. Uh, and before we get into our uh, clockwise turning uh, game here, things I've been up to. So, uh, the TBC WoW Classic Phase 2 just came out last week. So I've been extra busy in WoW as of late for that. Uh, so two new raids, new daily hub, etc., etc. No one cares about it. Um, been playing a little bit of Valheim as well, uh, mostly because, mostly because, uh, yeah, I have nothing else better to play. So, um, Minecraft. We started up a Minecraft server as well. With a new mod pack, played that for a bit. It was okay. Uh, I wasn't in a big mood to play Minecraft, but I, I did it in a way just to kind of waste time. And then last night I played Lucky Luke for the Game Boy, which is a uh, European uh, Game Boy game. S fun game, but a very frustrating game with a password system that makes absolutely zero sense at all. Uh, you get one password the entire game, and it's the midpoint of the game. So even though you have to play, like, ten, ten stages first, you uh, you don't get a password after each stage at all. Even after you kill a boss, you don't get a password. Uh, the auto-scrollers are quite slow. But honestly, though, for like as much as I just complained about it, it's actually a really fun game. And, and the Western theme is, is a pretty good time. Uh, that's really all I've been up to... Uh, for this, been doing some behind the scenes Game Boy and cataloging stuff, but there's really nothing too spectacular to talk about there. It's just making a collection checklist in Google Docs. So, yeah, uh, today's episode is going to be on Tracks, the adorable, cute little tank game created by HAL Laboratories. So, stay tuned and we'll talk about it. Welcome back, everybody. So, Tracks came out in uh, January of 1991 in Japan, known as Totsugeki Bonkots Tank, or Junk Tank, basically, is what it uh, translates to. Uh, and then the rest of the world would come to see the game Tracks in September of 1991. Uh, again, developed by HAL Laboratories. If you don't know who HAL Labs is... Um, Maybe maybe play a Kirby game. How <laughs> Labs has been around for a long time. They are very close with Nintendo. Uh, they are the creators of Kirby. So, uh, and many awesome pinball games on console as well too. 
However, this game was not published by Nintendo, but instead Electrobrain, and composed by Hirohiku Takayama. Uh, if you never heard that name before, I bet you have. Uh, Hirohiko Takayama has done things such as Adventure Island 3, Bonk's Adventure, Lemmings, uh, obviously Tracks, Ghostbusters 2, Friday the 13th, and The Karate Kid. Just to name a few. Uh, and the genre for this is a pew-pew top-down shooter. Not really a shoot 'em up, but a shooter. Uh, the plot for this game is kind of adorable and a lot longer than you may think. The plot is the setting, a quiet village in the country. Peace and contentment have ruled for centuries. But then, one bright summer day, disaster strikes. The neighboring Republic of Akuda attacks invades without warning. Akuda's military power is formidable and the tiny defenseless country is brought to its knees in the twinkling of an eye. But the spirit of freedom lives on in these simple country folk, and mustering the quiet strength of constantly burning in the hearts of these brave souls, a rebellion gains a toehold and picks up strength. Their only weapon, an outmodded tank, so creaky its treads have been replaced with rubber tires, and its turret will only turn to the right. It's dispatched to the capital city to take on the cold and cruel King of Akuda. The little tank that could creaks off to perform its mission. To bravely go where no tank has gone before. To lay down its rusty turret for its friends. So, for those that were complaining that the tank only turns one direction. Now you know why the turret only turns in one direction. Um... Really, really, really deep story plot with, for a very cute and light game. Uh, the gameplay is really simple. Uh, you press the A button or hold down the A button. It turns the turret clockwise. You cannot turn the turret counterclockwise at all. You press B and hold down B to shoot or to just continuously, continuously shoot. And the, the D-pad just moves the tank. You can go up, back, side to side. Uh, this wouldn't be really a shooting game without any without any power-ups. So you have something called a piercing bullet, which almost looks like a missile to a degree, like a very pointed bullet that you shoot it, it literally pierces through everything that it shoots through. You have a big boy, which is basically a bomb shot. You, short, you shoot it, it has a short range, and it kind of explodes. You have the double turret, which shoots from the front and the back of the turret. And then you have the tri-bomb, which is essentially a spread shot. It's Pretty useless, in my opinion. Uh, and then you have gasoline, which replenishes your energy or your health in this game. And then you have a one-up that looks like tracks. Um, before we dive into the actual stages, the actual gameplay in itself on the screen is on the right-hand side. You get to see this long vertical meter. That is your health. Uh, it, 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 it doesn't go down as you drive. It only goes down when you get hit. Uh, upon getting hit, you do lose one of your bullet power-ups, uh, and you also lose health, so you want to pick up these gasoline tanks to keep that replenished, and at the top of the meter also shows you how many lives that you have left. So now going into the stages, our first stage we're going to go into is the Grasslands. Now, mind you, this game is a very short game. Um, 
So we go into the grasslands, and the first thing you're going to encounter is basically kind of like an open area with a few uh, newer modeled tanks uh, and some various trucks. And going through this, it kind of the game is just there to like teach you like how to move, how to shoot, what the turret turning is like. And as you progress through the game, or through the stage rather, you're going to encounter your first mini boss, which is a helicopter that can take off its propeller and throw it at you. Uh, the mini boss is exceptionally simple. Again, kind of just teaching you how to dodge, how to maneuver your tank in a boss uh, scenario. Uh, one cool thing is with the mini bosses and the bosses screens is as you approach them, it's kind of like almost like an epic where you approach them and the screen slowly starts to scroll up and locks itself, uh, indicating that you're about to go into a pretty big fight. Uh, the mini boss for the helicopter, like I said, throws this propeller, uh, a quick dodge to the side, and you can just mash down the helicopter. The helicopter comes crashing down, and we move on to the rest of the stage. Uh, from the rest of the stage here, it gets a, it's not really a maze, but there are some things you just can't break through, so you have to wind around some obstacles and understand that there are mines as well. So if you run over a mine, that deals massive damage. If you shoot a mine and then drive into the explosion, that also deals massive damage to you. Uh, so there is residual damage upon killing something if you're too quick to move. Uh, once you approach the end of stage one, the grasslands, you fight the dragon tank. And this thing is pretty much a joke, even in a tutorial sense. Basically, you kind of sit there, you mash the shoot button, dodge to the left or right when it comes all the way down, move back to the center, keep mashing, its head's going to blow up, and you just keep mashing until it dies. It might be one of the easiest bosses on Game Boy ever, ever to exist. Uh, if you do get hit and you do run out of gasoline, uh, your tank will sit there, its turret will spin, the tank will explode, but you will spawn right back where you died. So you don't get the, you don't start the stage over again. There are no checkpoints. You literally just spawn right where you died and you keep going where you left off. So the next stage we go into the Sabaton Desert. So the Sabaton Desert is... It's a stage. Um, the best way to describe it is if you've ever played like a shoot 'em up army game, where if you look down, you can see like all of the barracks and the tents and everything of that nature. Uh, basically, that's what Sabaton Desert is. Uh, as you're driving through, you're going to come across various buildings and kind of like silos and huts. And this is where we get introduced to. Um, a new type of enemy that is a little beyond what you would think tracks would be. So as we progress through this stage, we're going to come across an enemy called, it's not even in the manual, that's, that's how crazy it is. Uh, it's basically a giant walking robot uh, that just runs in a straight line and you just have to move left or right to dodge it or to spam it until it blows up. The cool thing about this stage is most of the scenery can just be shot. Um, as you shoot something down, it kind of crumbles it into place and tracks can move forward through it. If you don't shoot it, tracks just gets blocked by the object. 
Um, a lot of times what people do with these stages, especially in a casual playthrough, is hang out to the sides and just shoot the pieces of building down and just drive through the building. You do got to be careful because the enemies can go through the buildings and crush down the buildings themselves. So you do need to go left or right, obviously, a few times here and there. Uh, but as you progress through the stage, you come across basically like a, an airstrip landing. And you uh, get introduced to the Cobra truck. Uh, which is just, a, it looks like a, a semi-truck with guns on the side. It's actually pretty awesome. And then as you keep going up this landing strip, you come across like a main army base. And this is where you face off against the, the mini-boss of the stage, which is what I call the doppelganger. It's the same, it's the same tank as yours. It can only turn one direction. And you kind of just go one-on-one -on -one with it. Then after you've done so much damage to it, it actually doubles, triples in size. It gets gigantic. And then it follows the exact same pattern as it did in the smaller version of it. It's just it takes up more real estate. Luckily enough, the sprites are pretty small with the really big screen size where it really honestly doesn't matter at all. It doesn't hinder movement in the slightest. It actually makes the fight easier because there's more surface area more sprite to hit easier. Um, so again, it follows the same pattern. It's a small tank. Nuke it down. And it blows up in tracks fashion. And then you keep moving up the screen until you get into the actual desert in itself. Where you can see like rock pillars and bushes. And again, this is where you get introduced to what is called the truck. Which just looks like a tan semi-truck with no guns attached to it. Uh, you get CDs in stage one as well, and you shoot them, and these are what drops your power up. So either gasoline, uh, a bullet power up, or a one up. Now sometimes the bullet power ups go onto a roulette system, so you have to be a little bit cautious. Like if you're wanting piercing bullet, you have to just time it right to go into the pop up uh, to get the piercing bullet. Now, something that's very awesome about this game as well too is that we, I mentioned that it was a top down shooter game. This isn't like an auto-scroller top-down shooter game where the screen is continuously moving because that's how it was programmed. The screen only moves when you're ready to move. So the next fight there says once you, as you're progressing through the canyon and the desert, you now get to face off against uh, the second level boss, which I call Giant Robot. So the Giant Robot is... <sighs> Most of these bosses in this game are a joke, but this one doesn't really attack you at all. The only way it could hit you is because of the weird hitboxes it may have on its arms. So what's going to happen is that this thing is going to come from the bottom of the screen instead of the top of the screen, so be prepared for that. And it's going to walk towards you and stumble and fall. Then it's going to get up, walk towards you again, stumble and fall. It does this pattern wherever tracks is at. Now, you can kind of trap yourself a little bit if you're not quick enough, uh, and then you can get hit by his arms, which will do a ton of damage to tracks. Um, so the best advice I can give for you is to really keep your distance and really take advantage of the angle shots or the 45-degree shots on the tank. Once you've defeated the giant robot, you now move into the mountain cave. The Mountain Cave, in my opinion, is one of the hardest stages in the game, especially to start. So everything looks pretty simple. You're in a ravine uh, traversing through 
uh, traversing through a mountain, a mountain chasm, basically, because on the both sides you have high, high rock tops uh, with things perched on top of it shooting at you with landslides coming down also. So not only do you have to worry about bullets, but you also have to worry about the rocks rolling down and hitting you as well. And the rocks actually do a nice chunk of damage when they do hit you. Once you've approached the end and about to enter the cave, you go in and you're greeted to a, another boss that isn't mentioned in the manual, but it's basically a drill truck. Uh, the drill trucks are absolutely harmless uh, unless you run into them. Uh, as you go on through these stages, there's going to be tanks on uh, carts on, on railroad tracks. Now, the issue with these is that they keep they move fairly quick. Um, so a casual player, a first-time player, may have a little bit of a hesitation approaching it. Uh, the nice things about them is that you can kind of just cheat your way and sneak in an angle shot into them and take them down. Uh, even though they look kind of kind of intimidating, they're really easy to take apart. So once you get through the first half of the cave, you're introduced to the first mini boss, and that is what I call just a giant ball. What this is, that it is a giant black ball that appears from the screen. It can kind of come from more anywhere on the screen than at once. Uh, and then eventually, once it's on the screen, it's going to open up, and it's going to shoot in four directions. Uh, it won't shoot in four directions at once. When it opens up, it'll shoot top-bottom, open up again, shoot left-right, open up again, top-bottom, open up again, left-right. Uh, even though the black ball may seem like it has a shield around it, you can just lay into this thing until it's gone. Speedrunners can mash this thing down in one cycle, so there isn't no true weak point to this mini boss at all. The biggest thing is to not catch yourself into a corner and trap and trap your tank and taking hits there. Uh, the best thing you want to do is kind of figure out what the pathing that ball is taking and do the exact opposite to give yourself ample room to dodge bullets and to put bullets into the boss itself. Once you've completed killing the boss, you go through another series of traversing through a chasm or a ravine. Uh, and this time again, there is a lot more obstacles in the way. Uh, now we have, you know, now we have basically like barbed wire, so to speak, kind of blocking some of the path, which you can shoot down and just roll over. Uh, which would reward you with a truck for a power-up. However, now you have to avoid the rolling rocks into the ravine. So my suggestion for you is to take one of the ramps and go up onto the rock wall and just fight your way through the enemies on top of the rock wall. And then get once you get to the end, uh, take out the bombs, take out all of the trucks, collect your power-ups, and move into the cave again. Now once you're into the cave... The railroading system comes into play a lot heavier, and there are a lot more just normalized tanks that you have to take care of. Uh, pretty basic, pretty simple, honestly. You're going to want to take advantage of the angle or the 45-degree shot on your tank, especially when peeking around some of these corners, uh, because a lot of times the tanks won't approach you unless you're really close to them and actually engage into them. As you get through the cave, you're going to come across a checkered board pattern floor 
with some trucks there as well too. One giving you gasoline, the other one I believe giving you a bullet power up. This is where you come across a very interesting boss uh, called the Clown. And the Clown is going to peek off from the right side first. And it's going to extend a hand that's going to throw an object at you. Along with another hand that's going to have a little clipper that's going to be coming at you as well too. What you want to do is only aim for the clown head, nothing else. Once you've taken down the clown head, it kind of explodes and the burnt portion of it goes into the center of the screen and then explodes, sending you into the fourth and final stage of the game, the capital city. Now, I didn't mention much about it, but this game does suffer a bit from frame rate issues because it's having so many sprites on the screen at once with explosions, enemies, your player, keeping track of stats like your health and the one-up. Like, there's a lot of stuff happening on the screen, so there's some frame rate issues. You will notice full-on the frame rate issue once you get to the capital city. Once you get to the capital city, all bets are off, uh, and they this game throws everything except for the kitchen sink at you. So you're going to be bombarded immediately by enemies and not just the basic like tank enemies that we've seen for the first three stages we're going to see motorcycles we're going to see like giant four shooting turrets we're going to see blimps we're going to see a plethora of enemies that are kind of bullet sponges unless you have the right power up again what a lot of people will do is hang out to the side and shoot down the buildings and drive through the buildings the problem with this, again, is, is that the AI can also do the same thing, and it gives you a chance to trap yourself uh, when doing this. So as you push through the capital city, you're going to get towards the end when bombs and everything get really, 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 really real, because now we have a blimp that is dropping bombs, which if a bomb hits tracks, it's almost a one-hit KO. Uh, and also the bombs and other enemies, uh, other enemy explosives can kill other enemies as well, too. There is a slight friendly fire in this game. So when you're going through and facing off, you don't really face off against the blimp. The whole blimp thing is just avoiding getting bombed. Uh, as you're going through, you are going to come across like the semi trucks with guns, the giant tanks and the other mini tanks as well, too. I would say try and get the bombs to drop onto them. Um, to take them out that way you don't have to create the extra frame rate issue and you can kind of keep yourself safe from everything. Once you get towards the end of the stage, the blimp is going to explode and go down and now you're going to approach a bricked section which has one of those giant tanks that is shooting piercing bullets all around it. Shouldn't be too much of a problem at all. You just kind of just drive past it without thinking much of it. And then once you get to the very end of the stage, you are teased with what looks like a huge version of your tank. You can kind of see the little wheels and the turret on the top. You're going to enter through the turret, and now you are put into a boss rush. Um, one of the first bosses you're going to face is that ball mini boss again. Do the same tactic that we just talked about. Then after that, you're going to face off against your doppelganger. After that, you're going to face off against the clown. 
And then you're going to face off against that mini-boss helicopter that you faced in Stage 1. And then you're going to go after the, the giant robot or the tripping robot, whatever you want to call it. And then that's all of it for the boss rush itself. Then you're going to go through the section that has a bunch of tanks kind of aimed at you. And they're all non-active except for like one or two. Uh, you can just drive down the center and be perfectly fine. Or you can take out all the stationary tanks and uh, get revenge for all the times you got hit or exploded during a during a stage. Once you get to the end, Akuna is behind this like electrical like barrier. Uh, and in the center, you'll see something, depending on the version that you're playing, you'll see either a skull or an AK uh, in the center of the shield. On both ends of it are these little light bulbs or these little light indicators that are shooting electrical charge through the wired floor. Because you can see on the floor that the wiring is a bit different color depending on what you're looking at. There is little uh, electrical currents that will go through there and hurt you. And remember, if you get hit once and you have a bullet power up, you lose that bullet power up. You want to lay waste to that center section as fast as possible, which will disable the entire electrical field, pushing you and Akuna into a one-on-one -on -one battle. Now, Akuna has multiple phases going through there. The first phase of Akuna is pretty basic. Uh, Akuna is just going to just lob bombs at you, just fill it full of, full of cannonballs and it'll push itself back. The second phase is Akuna is going to grab uh, basically two tracks in each hand uh, and each, each of the tracks uh, tank has, has um, a different shot associated with it so it can alternate between the bullet power-ups that you collected through the game. So a piercing shot, a try shot, a bomb shot, etc. Keep shooting Akuna at its core, and Akuna will get pushed back, putting Akuna into Phase 3. Akuna Phase 3 is going to look very similar to another Howl's Lab game that we are all very fond of. Uh, Akuna is going to pull out a giant mallet and start slamming the ground trying to hit tracks. Now, if you've ever played Kirby's Dreamland and ever been a big fan of King DDD, this mallet should look very, very similar. Also, this mallet, upon being hit, does about half of your health bar. So do be careful upon getting hit by the mallet. Once you've taken out Akuna with his mallet, Akuna will blow up and the mallet will turn over that says, Give up! in all exclamation points. And then the wall kind of fades away. The giant structure that you were just in starts to explode and it shoots tracks out of the out of the building. And at the end of the game, Trax is running away from I believe it's either Akuna or the giant robot. I can't quite figure out what is actually chasing Trax at the at the very end. Uh, but a very cute game, a very adorable game. And super, super recommend actually playing the game. So again, like I said, there was a small regional difference that I noticed uh, at a glance just from playing it. And it was that the Japanese version, instead of having a skull, has has the letters AK. I don't know what AK stands for, but it has AK. Um, the cool thing about this game is that it has a multiplayer option to it where you can either use the game link cable or the four score adapter. Uh, that came with F1 Race. 
And from here, what the what the multiplayer lets you do is that you can choose a battleground. You can actually have a person spectate as well, too. So if you're looking to make an eSport, this might be the next best thing. You can actually spectate the battle that's going on. Um, player one can actually add handicaps to the, to the tanks themselves, too, uh, where we can have, like, weights and everything else to make it more competitive. Uh, you can have two different sizes of tanks as well, too. And as you battle, there's a ranking system or a scoring screen where the winner takes four points, second is, uh, second is two points, third is one point, and fourth doesn't get any points at all because you're in last place. Uh, so in addition to each opposing tank that you do destroy, you also gain one point as well, too. And there is a star that displays on the screen for every tank that you've destroyed. A small star is one tank, and a large star is ten tanks. So this game actually has a pretty in-depth multiplayer, even though I've never played the multiplayer for this game before. Um, it actually has a pretty in-depth combat uh, multiplayer system that could warrant some pretty interesting competitive play. Uh, going over the box art quick, the box art is very different um, between between the Japanese version and the non-Japanese version. Uh, Trax in the non-Japanese version, Trax is this blue tank with dark blue wheels with a... Looks like a G.I. Joe toy helicopter behind it with some very cartoony like bangs and and bangs and pals and booms going around it with like map dots behind rockets going towards tracks. It's a very cartoony, a very kind of like clip arty esque type cover versus the Japanese one where tracks looks more realistic the tank is white and the wheels are blue and the attack helicopter behind it is launching missiles and it's a lot more realer looking. So this is a very interesting uh, difference in cover art because typically the Japanese covers are the ones that look maybe more cartoony, the ones that more appeal to like a comic book audience. And the Western releases are the more serious, like violent looking covers so they kind of flipped the flip the page on this one um but both of them in general have very uh very nice colors they very very much uh, differentiate from one another you can tell what is happening in each one as well too um the overlapping and the color association with it all really gives it a different feel depending on which which cover you are looking at as well um, uh, thoughts of the game. The first time I played tracks was for a tiny 10. I can't remember if it was tiny 10 two or, or what it was, but the first time I played tracks was, was for a tiny 10 and I, I had fun with the game, but I never went back to play it again because I hate how much the game lags. Uh, it's a fun game. I do like the game. I just really hate how much the frame rate suffers in this game. Uh, if you're, Shooting too much if you're blowing too much stuff up it like you can just overwhelm the game so much where you can just put the game to an absolute crawl uh, to the point where it's where it's borderline unplayable um, Beyond that though, it's a fun game and it's a, it's a game I still play to this day and whenever I just need to like 
feel like a quick 15 minutes. Like, if I just finish the Game Boy game for Retro Digest, or I'm like, you know what, let's play a Game Boy game, but I don't know what I want to play. Like, it's a toss-up between Tracks and Kirby's Dreamland and Trip World, right? So, it's a very short game. It's a very easy game. But it's, it's a fun enough game to fill in, you know, a time waste if needed. So, that's my thoughts on the game. That's how to get through the game. That's how to play the game. I hope you all do play the game. I hope you all do enjoy the game. The game was pretty well received, both 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 uh, both in the in the '90s and in today's retro era. So uh, when I come back, we'll do the old outro that is never scripted, and we always mess it up one way or another. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. So just going through Discord quick to see if there were any any questions. And a lot of it is just people complaining about not being able to turn the turret in two directions. Well, you know what? Maybe if you went after a CUDA, you wouldn't be able to turn your turret in two directions either. Uh, but uh, one thing that came from Suffram is that uh, he couldn't remember 100%, but doesn't track have uh, tracks have unlimited ammo? Tracks does have unlimited ammo. Uh, Trax has its base shot, which is, you know, its regular cannonball, unlimited, even if you get hit, you obviously don't lose it, uh, and when Trax picks up a power-up, like a piercing shot, a try shot, whatever it may be, you can use that for as long as you'd like until you get hit, and even carries over from stage to stage as well, too. Uh, there is a ROM hack that allows you to turn the, the turret counterclockwise, but then you're just breaking the lore, and you're not respecting the lore. And if you're playing a retro game, I need you to respect the lore. Um, also, a little fun fact, too, that I never threw into the previous section above either, is that if you play, I believe it is Kirby's Nightmare of Dreamland, the Game Boy Advanced version, obviously, uh, Trax actually makes an appearance in that game in a colored variant where, like, the top of it is white, the bottom of it is red, and the wheels are black. So there are three different colorations of Trax. <laughs> um, of the actual tank in Trax. But it does make an appearance in a Kirby game for the Game Boy Advance. I want to say it's Nightmare, uh, Kirby, Kirby's Nightmare of Dreamland, but I can't 100% remember. Um... But yeah, so that's all there is in uh, in Discord. Um, Xoran asks if anyone's ever played the four player. Uh, no, I've only ever seen a one v one. I've never seen four people play it at once. I've actually never done the multiplayer myself, uh, which I want to do at a GDQ when they're back in person. So I'll have my four score with me for anyone that wants to play tracks. <laughs> Bring your ever try. Um, so yeah, uh, with that, uh, oh, events coming, I almost forgot about events coming up, do we have any, I don't even know if there are events coming up or not, honestly, I really don't know what's happening in the world anymore, um, RGL TV is having a Nescathlon October 9th at 1pm, oh, they are having a Halloween Horror Marathon, 
Ooh, I can't wait for it. I have so many new games to submit. Um, they're also doing a Marble Madness um, uh, one night only tournament uh, on October 16th. So definitely check that out if you're into Marble Madness. And it looks like all I can see for the time being for RGL. Uh, Power Up with Pride is actually doing a another a uh, another marathon. Their Winter Pride 2021. Uh, I don't see any dates yet? Question mark. Oh, December 3rd to this to December 5th. Uh, submissions are open until the 30th of September. So definitely if you're in, if you want to submit to a um, marathon that supports a good cause, uh, definitely check out Power Up with Pride 2021. Otherwise, we have another marathon. Uh, Game Goyles Episode 2 is happening. Uh, they will be having... Uh, They are. They will be going November nineteenth to the twenty first. Uh, submissions are well. Submissions are now closed. So uh, be sure to check that out when it goes live. And obviously, we have the the Tiny Ten coming up. Revealing of the Tiny Ten games will happen next month sometime. TBA to be announced uh, by Mo and I. And then the race is slated to be in November. TBD to be discussed. <laughs> um, there's plenty of other marathons happening as well too. You got AGDQ coming out. Uh, GDQ is always doing those like weird side marathon things too, like the GDQ Presents stuff. Uh, speed gaming always has something going on. There's so much speedrunning content out there. If you wanted it, you if you wanted it and don't know where to find it, you're living under a rock. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can find me, E Bloody Candy, on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. I think that's it. In Discord, obviously. You can find my awesome co-host Mula uh, on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, M-O-E-L-L-E-U-H. You can find our absolute wonderful producer, Sprinty Legs, uh, at Sprinty Legs on Twitch and YouTube, uh, Twitch and Twitter and Discord, uh, Legs on YouTube, and then you can check out her project website at www.sprintylegs.com. We also have a Patreon, where if we, uh, if you can support, if you, if you can, if you want to support us monetarily, Jesus, like I said, these outros are very well scripted. Um, we have a Patreon where if you want to support us monetarily, uh, we. Always super appreciate it, and we have our Discord tied into Patreon, so if you do become a patron, uh, you do reap some of the Discord benefits with that. Uh, once we get to, was it 20 bucks a month, wherever it is, Mo and I will start doing episodes uh, live-streamed, so you get to see the awkwardness between Glenn and I in between breaks, or how uh, muffed I look <laughs> when I first wake up to get ready for a podcast. Um, 
If subscription stuff ain't your thing because everything in the world is subscription based now, we do have a PayPal. However, we can't tie Discord into PayPal. So if you do do the PayPal route, please let one of the three of us know. Uh, we want to thank you for your support. Obviously, money isn't everything that we look for or want most of the time. Really, all we want you is to listen to the podcast. Um, and you can listen to it pretty much in every podcast thing out there in the world. We're on, what, like Stitcher, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, whatever other ones are out there that I don't know about. Uh, the only thing is, you know, if you like the episode... Give it, give it a star rating. Like five, five stars is really easy to click. You just have to click the fifth star instead of the first star because your mouse cursor is probably already on the right side of your screen for click and play. So it's a less travel time to click the five star than it is the one star. <laughs> but yeah, listening to the episodes, reviewing them, and just talking about them in the Discord is super helpful for us. And we always always appreciate all listens that we get um to keep sounding greedy we also have a merch store (laughs) um i don't even remember what the url is for it anymore it's like shop t-i-g-b dot something dot teespring.com or something i don't remember anymore uh (laughs) glenn is supposed to put something on the website and he hasn't yet but uh, we do have shirts and coffee mugs and some other stuff available if you're really into that. Uh, I have a few of the shirts now. They actually are pretty nice. They're pretty comfy. Um, and they're a little bit bigger than what you would expect. So it actually allows for some room for shrinkage. Uh, whether it's uh, putting putting down, putting down the beer gut or not knowing how to wash clothes. So... Uh, both of which fit perfect for me. <laughs> um, and you can find all of that information on thisisgameboy.com. And something else that you also find on thisisgameboy.com is the previous episode of the podcast. So if you did miss an episode, if you missed last last episode that came out, it is on the website, so you can just listen to it while perusing through our our bios and our links. Highly recommend. It breaks often, and I and I never fix it. So if it's broken, it's not my fault. Um, and you can actually listen to all of these podcast episodes on YouTube. Uh, Mo and Legs went through a lot of trouble and a lot of time to set up the YouTube account and to get the video templates rolling. So if you do want to listen to the podcast on YouTube, which oddly enough, I actually listen to a decent amount of podcasts on YouTube now. I don't know why, but I do. I would have never thought thought it, but you know what? It's a thing. Check it out. You can even see some of the gameplay footage that's happening alongside as we discuss the game. So yeah, with that, the next time you hear from me, I will be with Mo, and we are going to be talking about Felix the Cat. Have a fantastic rest of your week, two weeks, month, whatever it is, the next time you hear from us. Ta-ta!
Also, sorry legs, you might hear screaming upstairs. It is it is football season.